Saints, can y'all hear me? I guess it's coming through. Hello, hello. I don't know if I'm coming through or not, but no, I'm not. Well, I'll just stand here and look great until they figure out what's going on. Testing. Should I just get a handheld? All right. Testing, testing. All right. Still, okay, here we go. Well, I'll just turn this off. There's never a dull moment at the Village Church, so every it's like every week there's something. So, but now we're going to go into a time of prayer of supplication. Uh, as most of you know, uh, the election is finally over, and so we can breathe. Right now, the, the, our country is still divided. Uh, some are rejoicing and some are sad. Uh, depend upon who you voted for. Uh, and so even in the midst of all the things that are still going on, now something historical still happened. You know, we have a, a female VP who happens to also be a black woman. So in that, you know, that is a historical moment in and of itself. But as we pray uh, in the prayer of supplication, please let's pray for a peaceful transfer of power and also pray for our divided country and also the divisions that exist amongst believers uh, in our country. So uh, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, nothing is too, uh, too great for you. That you are a God of the world, not just a God of one particular country. And you are still sustaining, growing your church, providing for your people, holding your people together. And so regardless of where we are emotionally today, as Christians, we still have a hope that exists outside of this life, outside of this place. My prayer, Father, is that you will move and continue to work. I pray for a peaceful transfer of power. I pray that um, people will treat one another with kindness and dignity and respect. I pray that your church and your people in this country who who call upon you by name, that, that we will lead the way in that and how we treat one another. So, Father, I pray that you will glorify yourself in this country, in the way that your people navigate our life here. And, Lord, I do want to say a a special prayer for a young man named Jackson uh, back in uh, in Georgia. He was in a terrible accident, and he's not doing well. So I pray for him that you will spare his life. I don't know if he's a believer, but I pray for him, for the doctors, that you will spare his life. 
I pray for those who are without jobs, those who have lost loved ones, that you would minister to them, comfort them, Lord, remind them of of your love for them. I pray for those who are sad and down and, and angry as Christians because of the results of this election. I pray that you remind them that you are still their God. And I pray for those uh, believers who are excited and rejoicing that, that you will remind them, too, that you are still their God. The person who holds office in the White House is not our God. And so, Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourself, as Christians. We can't hold unbelievers accountable to, to things that we ourselves don't live out. As those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So, Father, have mercy. Father, lead the church here in this country to a, a deeper level of repentance and confession. Give us the humility that we need, the brokenness that we need. I pray that Jesus would be more sweeter than our sadness and our supposed victory. So, Father, have mercy. Father, sustain. It's in Christ's wonderful name that I pray. Amen. Last month, the, the, the Harris Poll co- conducted a survey for the American Psychological Association. And the survey found that uh, American adults say that the, the 2020 uh, presidential election is a significant source of stress in their life. 70, 76% of Democrats say so. 67% of Republicans say so. 64% of Independents say so. And together, all that means is that 68% of adults in in America say their life has been under a significant amount of stress because of this election. And many of us are part of that 68%. The election might be over, but but the stress that we're under, it might not go away for, for, for a long time as we deal with the fallout of the results. The fallout for for some Americans is joy and excitement because uh, Biden won. And and for others, it's stress and sadness and disappointment because Trump lost. And this is even true for Christians in America who live on opposite sides of the Jordan. There's joy and sadness. There's excitement and disappointment. There's a sense of victory and there's a sense of loss. Whatever emotions your side of the Jordan are experiencing, Please don't forget about the the resources and and the general election survival kit that I've been been talking about. I believe these these resources can still help us as we deal with the post-election stress and and fallout and chaos. And I believe as believers, these resources can help us answer this important question as Christians in America and Christians in this church. What does it mean to love our neighbor now? What does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself right now? The first resource in this kit, remember, is spiritual swagger, which allows believers to accept all aspects of God's truth. 
even those aspects that challenges your worldview and your politics. The second one is knowing and accepting that that Christians don't all live on the same side of the Jordan, but we're all part of the same covenant family in Christ. That is true even if we don't live it out. That is true regardless of how we feel. Because when you get to heaven, there's going to be people there that you didn't like on this side. Please know that. The third resource is knowing and accepting that Jesus alone is the true source of Christian unity. Even though we don't always function in that reality and live out that unity. We're trying to build a foundation that's already been built. Maybe we just need to repent because we don't live it out. The fourth resource is is following and submitting to good and wise and healthy leadership on your side of the Jordan. Good, healthy, and wise leadership is important when there's conflict and disunity and distrust within God's covenant family. You need good leadership. And now we've come to the fifth and final resource in this survival kit. It's also found in in Joshua 22 in verses 21 through 34, the verses that that Wes read. The final resource is this. There is a witness between both sides of the Jordan. I need some amens, please. It's a witness uh, between both sides that, that the Lord is God, that Yahweh is Elohim. Before we move forward, I need y'all to pray with and for me that God, the Holy Spirit, would bless the preaching of his word. Please join me. Father God, Holy Spirit, I pray for you to take these words, apply it to my heart, apply it to the hearts of of those that are tuning in on on Facebook Live and and also those that are actually here in the sanctuary, that that you will give us the word that we need to hear. None of us have it all together. We all need something. We all need a word today. So let each of us hear and receive what we need to hear and receive. Give us the humility to submit to God's word. Even when, it, even when it cuts us. Because you can't live this life and not expect the word to cut you at some point. But the good news is that if it cuts us, it also heals us. So Holy Spirit, glorify Christ as you encourage his people today. Amen. One definition of the term uh, delegation is a group of, of, of persons chosen to represent others. Congressional delegation is an example of that definition. It's a group of e- elected officials to the United States Congress from a particular state. Take Alabama, for example. We have seven representatives. And similarly, not exactly apples to apples, 11 delegates from the west side of the Jordan in Joshua 22, are chosen to make a trip to the east side. I need y'all to talk to me. The delegates are Phinehas and ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel. Every one of them are ahead of a family of the clans of Israel. And, and these 11, they make up the western delegation who travel to the other side of the Jordan 
as representatives for all the Western tribes. Please know that. These 11, they're representing all the other tribes on the west side of the Jordan. And they traveled to the east side to express their concerns about the altar their west side brothers built. And remember from last week, the west side, they have some legitimate covenantal concerns. They're concerned about covenant unity between the both sides of the Jordan. They're concerned about covenant faithfulness to Yahweh. They're concerned because they know if the eastern tribes are in rebellion, then the consequences will be felt on both sides of the Jordan. Don't forget, the, the, the altar does not look good. It does look like a breach of faith. You, gotta, you at least got to own that. It, it looks like the eastern tribes are in rebellion against the Lord God. And as I said last week, the western tribes, they arrive on the east side of the Jordan to inquire, to search, and to ask diligently to see if their eastern brothers are actually in, are in rebellion. They do this without shaming them, judging them, guilting them. Please know that. They hold them accountable by asking hard questions and giving painful examples from Israel's past. They are speaking the truth in love. And even when you do that, it still hurts sometimes. And in the end, they even invite the eastern tribe to, to come back with them on the west side of the Jordan. And if, they, if the life on the east side is causing them to rebel, look at verse 19 if you have your work, the Bible with you. It says, but now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stand, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and make us be rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. That's where we left off last week. Showing up to someone's house unannounced is not always a good move. How, how does it make you feel when someone does that to you? But not only that, how would you react to a group of church members just popping up at your house in order to address some concerns they have with you? They don't call you beforehand. They don't send you a text. They just show up to your house, and now they want to talk with you about some concerns they have with you. Be honest. Be real. None of us would take that well. We'll do what Brene Brown says many people do when they feel attacked, when they feel fear, when they feel shame, when they feel threatened, when they feel vulnerable. We'll armor up to protect ourselves. The armor comes on, and this is not the armor of faith. This is not the armor of God in Ephesians 6. This is a different type of armor. She says, our armor is the thoughts and emotions and behaviors that we use to protect ourselves when we aren't willing and able to rumble with vulnerability. You will be tempted to armor yourself up when the people in your life confront you with some concerns they have about you. 
Amen, saints. This would be your first and natural response. Please know that about yourself. I see it in myself. The temptation to to armor up, it lives on both sides of the Jordan, in our church and in every church in America. Even when believers on the other side of Jordan come to your side speaking their concerns to you in love, your side will still want to armor up. And please hear this, saints. It, It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts to help us resist armoring up. Those of you who are married, when your spouse comes to you with stuff, you're tempted to armor up, trying to protect yourself. We do. It takes the Holy Spirit to to give us a heart to receive people's concerns about something that we have done, something that we have said, something that we have wrote, something that we have posted or shared on social media. To be able to receive those concerns without armoring up takes the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as Christians. Do you pray for that for yourself? On your side of the Jordan. How do y'all think these eastern tribes are, are going to respond to this unannounced visit by these this, this western delegation? They show up unannounced in order to address their concerns about the altar. Hey, I get it. I understand. They, 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 they can't send an email or text. Okay. They can't make a phone call to the other side of the Jordan and say, hey, look, um, we're going to be there in about three days. And then we're going to talk with y'all about these concerns. They they don't have postal service. They're working with what they have. And the situation demands an immediate face-to-face conversation with their brothers on the east side of the Jordan. Don't forget, they're trying to prevent civil war. Don't forget about that. The Russian delegation goes to the east side of the Jordan to prevent war. Because if they find out they're in rebellion, oh, it's going to get nasty. It's going to get real nasty within the covenant family. So, again, how would the east side respond? Would they armor up? Would they armor up? Or will they engage their brothers and address their concerns and questions? And I believe this is this is a work of God's grace on, on the east side of the Jordan because the eastern tribes, they don't armor up. They don't armor up to protect themselves and from, from the concerns and the questions from their brothers from on the west side of the Jordan. Instead, they engage the concerns. They uh, address the questions, and, and they give the reason and the motive behind them building the altar on the west side of the Jordan. And y'all are going to see that their action in building the altar isn't sin. It's not a breach of faith. You're going to see that, that the East tribe, Eastern, the Eastern tribes don't have a hidden agenda. Y'all are going to see that they're not preaching another gospel. Y'all are going to see that. After listening to the Western delegation, their concerns and questions, the, the people of Reuben and the, the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they give an answer. They respond to the 11 delegates. And they begin by calling upon the name of the Lord. Who knows the truth? Who knows the true intent of their hearts? 
the Lord knows the, 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 the true reason and motive of the eastern tribes. He, he knows they didn't build an altar out of rebellion to turn away from him. And now the, the eastern tribes wants the Lord to help the, east, the west side brothers know the same thing. They say to them, the mighty one, of, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. And let Israel itself know. Saints, the, the, the eastern tribes aren't defensive in that statement. They're, they're not armoring up. Why? Because they know they haven't committed a breach of faith. When you know you haven't done anything wrong, you don't have to defend yourself. When you know you have not committed a breach of faith, you don't have to uh, get self-protective. Because you know I haven't did anything wrong. See, they, they, they're so convinced they haven't did anything wrong, they even place themselves on the mercy seat of the Lord. They, they also place themselves at the mercy of their West Side brothers. The Eastern tribes are like, if we're guilty, then we accept all the consequences. We ain't going to fight y'all. Look at, look at the words in verse 22. If it was in rebellion or in a breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did it to, to, to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings and peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. Do you see what they're doing? They're saying, we're at your mercy. If this is true, if your concerns are true, we're not going to resist the consequences. But they are but they are not in rebellion. This is not a breach of faith. They did not build the altar to replace the one that's biking shallow. They built it for another reason. And when y'all hear the reason, you're going to notice something very familiar. You're going to see that the eastern tribes also have legitimate covenantal concerns. We always think our side of Jordan is the only ones that have legitimate concerns about covenant unity and what that looks like. Have you ever thought the other side has concerns too, that maybe that's why they're doing the things that they're doing? Have you ever thought about that? They have concerns about what could happen on the other side of Jordan in years to come. They have concerns that, uh, 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 about the covenant unity between both sides can be broken down in generations to come. And they also have concerns about covenant faithfulness to Yahweh. The west side is not the only one with that concern. The east side has that concern too. You see, the eastern tribes have a concern that future generations of Israelites on the west side of the Jordan will come to see future generation of Israelites on the east side of the Jordan as having no portion in the Lord. They will have no portion in the Lord because they live on the wrong side of the Jordan. How many of us are guilty of those same assumptions? Because you don't live here then you have no part of the Lord. Because you don't worship like this, you have no part of the Lord. 
Because you don't vote like this, you have no part of the Lord. Because you don't have, because your view of justice is not this, then you don't have no part in the Lord. Because of this and this and this, because your side of Jordan is not like my side of Jordan, then y'all have no part of the Lord. We do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. Look at verses 24 to 25. No, but we built the altar in fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, what have you to do with Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel? For Yahweh has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. The people of Reuben and people of God, you have no portion in the Lord. So your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Do y'all understand the Eastern tribes' legitimate covenantal concerns, concerns about the future covenant unity between them? They're not just thinking about the here and now. They're thinking about the future generations that will come from them. What's the, what, what are the future generations of Christians in America? What are they going to say when they look back on our behavior? Because what we're doing now is not just for us. As Presbyterians, we are covenantal. And that means what we're doing now is going to impact those who come after us. Have you ever thought about that? Or is it just you right now? What are your great-grandkids going to think? What are all of our great-grandkids going to think? Our kids, when they look at the church in America, what would, they, what would the church even be when they come into this world? Our actions and the way that we treat one another and how we deal with one another, we're laying something. The sins of the fathers... Go to the next generation. You can be as individual as you want. The sins that we are committing today as Christians in America are going to follow future Christians. You You don't care if you're not Presbyterian or Covenantal. It is true. Now, I get the Eastern trials. Now, they they should have traveled to the west side of Jordan to address their concerns before they built that altar. Now, they should have did that. They were wrong. They were, they were wrong. They should have did that. But instead, they built the altar. It is what it is now. It's, it's built. And again, they, it, it's a copy of the altar back in Shiloh. They built it to be a witness between both sides of the Jordan. Verses 26 and 29. Therefore, we said, let us now build an altar not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but to be a witness between you, between us and you, between our generations after us. Again, see that. And they're not just thinking about the here and now. They're thinking about the future as well. That we too perform the services of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. And we thought, If this should be said to us, 
to our descendants in time to come. We will save the whole, the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but to be a witness between us and you. Far be it for us to be to rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offerings and grain offerings and sacrifices other than the altar of the Lord that stands before his tabernacle back in Shiloh. Saints, the altar is a witness to the covenant unity between the east side and the west side. It's a witness of the covenant unity between them that's going to continue on in generations to come. It's a witness that, that Yahweh is served on both sides of the Jordan. It's a witness that Yahweh has people on the east and west side. Do you believe that? Or do you think the only Christians in America are those who are like you? What do you believe? No, no. What do you functionally believe? Not what you believe here today, but functionally in the way y'all live your life, what do you believe? We're more concerned about the direction of the country more so than the disunion that exists in the church as Christians in America. We weep and pray about the the, the, the the division in the country, and we don't weep and pray by the fact that Christians can't get along. We worried about the wrong things. That's what I tell my kids. The explanation from the eastern tribes is received positively by the western delegation. It's good in their eyes, and the western leaders say, today we know the Lord is in our midst. That is an amen statement because they realize we ain't got to go to war. <laughs> because you have not committed a breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hands of the Lord. So the Western delegation, they depart, they go back to, to the west side with unity between them preserved. And when they get back, they will give the good report. And you know what they do? They celebrate. They worship. They celebrate. Because they don't have to make war with their brothers. And it said they never talked about making war with them again. Man, beautiful. And verse 24 says, the altar is a witness between both sides of the Jordan that Yahweh is Elohim. That's what it represents. You see, the, the covenant unity between them, I said this in the very first sermon in the series, the, the, the covenant unity between them isn't based on the covenant promises. Like land. As Christians, are, do you think it's the promises of the gospel that unify us? Or is it the one who gives the promises? The promises of the covenant does not unify them. The covenant unity is based on their covenant keeping God. He's the connector. He's the glue. He unifies those who live on both sides of the Jordan, even when they don't live it out. So what about us today? What is our altar of witness today? Functionally. 
What's the ultra witness between believers in America who live on opposite sides of the Jordan and also who, who worship in this church? Our ultra witness is not our nationality. It's not our politics. It's not Christian nationalism. It's not our denomination. It's not our ethnicity and gender and age. Our ultra witness isn't being a Republican and Democrat or Libertarian or, or Independent. It's not the social issues and movements that we are a part of in the country. It's not the just causes that, that we fight for in our cities. The ultra witness between Christians in America who live on, on opposite sides of the Jordan is Jesus Christ alone. Period. Without a qualification. We say it's Jesus and nothing else, but we really don't believe that crap. We don't. Because if we really believed it, we, the church won't be in the state that it is in, in today. We need to repent. As Christians. How about we, how about we do a march on Washington and we land out and we're repenting of our sins? How about that? Jesus is our ultra witness. His finished work, his life, his death, his resurrection. At the end of the day, Jesus is all you got. He's all you got. Do you think the Father is less good to Christians in the persecuted church because they're being persecuted? Do you think he's less good to them? We need to start thinking globally as Christians in America. He's good to them too. And it's not based on what side of the joint you live on. He's good because he's God. Jesus is our connector. Jesus is our glue. Jesus is the ultra witness between those who live on opposite sides of the Jordan. We don't have another altar witness. We do not. Jesus died on the cross for enemies so that enemies can be born again. You, you were not born on Jesus' side of the Jordan. Jesus' side of the Jordan was in heaven. And he left his side of the Jordan to come to the side of the Jordan of his enemies. To transform enemies into friends, orphans into kids. That's what he did. And if you say, I can't go to the other side of the with other believers, then there's something about Jesus you don't love or understand. Jesus is the one who's making things right again through the redemption of all things. And Jesus does not take a Sabbath rest every four years. He's always on the clock. He's always on the throne. Jesus is the redeemer and sustainer of all his people who live on opposite sides of the Jordan, the north side, the east side, in Lincoln Village, and in South Huntsville, and in North Huntsville, Madison City, Madison County, in the suburbs, in the inner city, in the first world country, and in the third world country, even in a divided America with a divided church, Jesus is still king. And here's a hard pill we need to swallow. That Jesus Christ doesn't appear to be enough for us as Christians in America. We say he's enough. 
Oh, man, we don't really believe that. You got, we got to take an honest look at ourselves on our side of the Jordan and ask ourselves, are we really worshiping the real Jesus? Or are we worshiping the Jesus of our own imagination? The Jesus that we have created. And the Jesus that we have Americanized, ghettoized, and everything. Y'all know what kind of Jesus that is. It's Plato Jesus. He keeps coming up. Because if we're honest, that's who we really worship. Some of us haven't met the real Jesus yet. Maybe this is the case because we we foolishly think our side of the Jordan has a monopoly on Jesus' gospel and the invocations of that gospel in this world. Maybe your side of the Jordan, what your side of the Jordan sees as another gospel on the other side, might not actually be that. Maybe the other side has sees something about Christ that you don't see. If you think your side is always right, then you need a little dose of humility. Because your side ain't always right. It is not. What we need. We need one another. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that that you need other Christians? Christians who are different than you. Christians who live on the other side of the Jordan. Do you really believe that? Just be honest. If you don't believe it, just own it. But you do. What is needed right now on both sides of the Jordan is that we need the Holy Spirit to lead all of us into a deeper level of conviction, confession, and repentance. That's what we need. We all need to deal with our own crap on our side of the Jordan. Because it's there. We need him to give us a a fresh view of, of, of the real Jesus of Nazareth. And not the one that's created in our own image. One theologian says, and I believe this is happening right now in the church in America. He says, whenever there's a departure from divine thoughts, whenever there's a loss of original revelation of God, whenever the heaviness and the spirituality and the divine power which is in God ceases to operate in the midst of his people, whenever the glory departs, The Lord's reaction to such a state is to bring his son anew into view. So what is needed in in our division? Jesus needs to be seen anew. That's what's needed. That's what's needed. And my prayer and hope is that the father will bring his son anew a new interview on both sides of the Jordan in America. Will you join me in that prayer? Will you labor with me in that prayer? If you don't want to, that's okay. The Spirit will still pray and intercede on our behalf. But I'm asking you, those that are here and those that are tuning in, will you pray that God will renew our view of the real Jesus of Nazareth? Let us pray. Holy Spirit, 
You're given for a reason. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who reminds us of Christ's words. And so what we need within the village church and within every church in America is that we need you to, to, to renew our view of the real Jesus of Nazareth. Help us to see him. Lead us to a deeper level of, of repentance. And give us the humility that we need to receive and listen to the concerns of our brothers and sisters on the other side of Jordan when they come to us with them. Protect us from self-righteousness. Protect us from being judgmental. Give us hearts of compassion and empathy. Give us understanding. Give us uh, the willingness to, 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 not, to help us not to armor up, but help us to listen. Help us to know we're not each other's enemy. We're not. We worship the same God, even though we may live and function on the opposite sides of the Jordan. And, Lord, I pray for all of this in your son's wonderful, precious name. Amen. Will you please stand for um, the call to worship? And, and those of you that are at home, if you want to stand, you can't stand. There's no way that I can see. Uh, also, if you're wondering why we're, why we're not singing, and it is, it is, this is one practical way that we love our neighbor as ourselves in the midst of this pandemic. That's why we're not. So here's God's benediction to his wonderful sons and his sons and daughters. Y'all are beloved sons and daughters. Here's his benediction to you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. All God's people said, Amen. Please give each other elbow bumps.